What's going on, you Philly? I'm so excited right now. Oh, I, I'm so excited. And I just can't hide it. Oh, man. So I'm going to preach a word tonight that, man, the Lord's been just stirring in my heart. Actually, this whole year, the whole first half of the year. And I'm still walking it out and even just talking to uh, people the last couple of days and definitely the last nine minutes we've been speaking. Uh, yeah, this is a word for each and every one of you here tonight. So church, are you ready for the word of God tonight? Mm, all right, so come hungry. Are you guys, you guys hungry? You know, because you got to get fed, all right? This is a word for you. Some of y'all are going to be set free from this, all right? So, uh, yeah, let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. Oh, it's going down. Right. I feel like I just ate three caffeine pills or something. Man. It's the Holy Spirit. All right. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right, I'll, I'll wait. You got an iPhone. You should be faster, man. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so verse 6. Verses 6 through 8, I'm going to read. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Mm. It's the word of God, amen? amen. I want to focus on verse 6 tonight, where it says, Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Tell your neighbor, O sluggard. You know, every word of God is there for a reason. You know, God didn't just accidentally put it there. Right? Amen? And because of that, we're going to break down what this word sluggard actually means, all right? So, actually, in the Old Testament, the only references of this word, it's found in Proverbs. There's about 14 occurrences where it comes up, but it's the only place in the whole Old Testament. And let's talk about what characterizes a sluggard. You guys ready for this? If you're taking notes, you can write down these references so you can look at it later and laugh. But the first characteristic of a sluggard is they are foolish. They are unwise. If you look at Proverbs chapter 26, verse 16, it says, The sluggard is wiser in his own estimation than seven people who respond with good news. And even earlier, the word sluggard, it kind of just came from nowhere, but even in the context before the first five verses, they're talking about someone who's foolish, someone who is not wise. That's the first characteristic of someone who's a sluggard. The second characteristic is they always sleep. All right? I just felt conviction just come upon this room right now. But, you know, in chapter 6 of Proverbs, verse 9, it says, How long, you sluggard, will you lie there? When will you rise from your sleep? In Proverbs 26, 14, it says, As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. Now, this is pretty funny. As a door swings on its hinges. You know, that's, that's kind of like a sluggard that's just rolling out of bed, right? It's, this is what a sluggard is. This is, this is a person who, who presses a snooze button ten times more than they should have. You know? Now, I remember when I was a freshman, I just, uh, first time living with another person uh, in a room and... Uh, Yo, he, he would snooze like at least 10 times every morning. So I got really good at sleeping through alarms. But man, he was, he was, he was a bit sluggish, you know. But uh, 
Yes, the fourth or the third characteristic of someone who is a sluggard is this. They are always unsatisfied. So Proverbs 13, 4, it says, The appetite of the sluggard craves but gets nothing. But the desire of the diligent will be abundantly satisfied. Sluggards are always unsatisfied. And the fourth one is another funny one. They're lazy. That's another characteristic of a sluggard that's, they're lazy. And in Proverbs 19, 24, it says, The sluggard plunges his hand in the dish, and he will not even bring it back to his mouth. I want, you to, I want you to take a mental note of this, all right? A sluggard is someone who just chills, you know, on the couch. And they just have a bag and a hand in a bag of potato chips, right? And they just eat some. And they put it back. And they just leave it there, you know? They just, they're so sluggish. They're so lazy. They don't, they don't put their hand back up, you know? Oh, snap. Hey, can we uh, put that higher? Thank you. Um... Yeah, he will not even bring it back to his mouth. In Proverbs twenty-two thirteen, it says, The sluggard says, There's a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. And at least according to what my commentary said, man, this just shows how far lazy sluggards will go to not do work. They start making up stuff like, There's a lion in the streets. I don't want to work. I don't want to work. It's going to kill me. You know, and, and they're just... They use that much mental energy so that they don't have to do physical energy. You know, so they make up lions and, and all these things. And it actually shows how, yeah, again, how far a sluggard will go to avoid work. And what will, will actually devour them is not the imaginary line of his excuses, but it's the reality of poverty. Because poverty comes upon sluggards. So the title of my sermon tonight is... You are a sluggard. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. playing. No, that's not it. That's not it. But no, there are no sluggards in this house. Amen. You know, New Philly, we have an army of mighty warriors. There's no sluggards here who are, you know, foolish, who are lazy, who always just press the snooze button. At least that's not what we're aiming to have an army of, right? That's not an army of mighty warriors. That's that's an army of sluggards, you know? So yes, we are a house of excellence, a house of diligence. And God calls this house to be a people who are full of maturing wisdom and satisfaction in Christ. Amen? Amen. But I want to point out, at the same time, even the most mature believers, even though they're not sluggards, they could be sluggish. I'm going to say that one more time. Even the most mature believers, even though they're not sluggards, they can be sluggish. There are two occurrences of this word sluggish in the New Testament. I said there's about 14 in the Old Testament, right? In the New Testament, there's only two, and they both come from Hebrews. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5. If you're there, say amen. Where where are the amens at, guys? Come on. So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. All right, it says here, About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. Now, earlier in the book of Hebrews, the author urges the readers to pay much closer to the attention to the gospel message. He's saying pay extra attention to the gospel message, but they don't do that. 
So what happens here in verse, in chapter 5, he says, because they fail to do so, he calls them sluggish, which is translated here as dull of hearing. That's one occurrence of it. And the second occurrence is, to split the page, it's Hebrews chapter 6, verses 11 through 12. And it says here, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The author of Hebrews urges the readers to not be sluggish. And you, Philly, we are supposed to do the same. We're not supposed to be sluggish in any way. And pretty much the author of Hebrews here is saying, run with perseverance. Keep going. Set your eyes on the prize. He's saying, imitate those who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. And each of you in this room, you have specific promises that the Lord has given you. Whether he spoke it to you through a person, a pastor, a small group leader, you know, in your quiet time, through the word of God, each and every single one of you have a promise that the Lord has given you. But I'm here tonight to tell you that if you don't know what season you are in, you're not going to see it fully come to maturity. And that's the last characteristic of a sluggard I want to talk about. So if you want to go back to Proverbs 20, or you could just write this down. I'm just going to read it out. It says, the sluggard will not plow during the planting season. So at harvest time, he looks for the crop but has nothing. Last characteristic of a sluggard here that I really want to talk about tonight is a sluggard does not know what season he or she is in. Again, even the most mature Christians, even though we're not sluggards, we could be sluggish. Even in this sense, when you don't know what season that you're in. And this leads to the real title of my sermon tonight. <laughs> be an ant. Yes. I say it with me, be an ant. Yes. So, <laughs> all right, so if we go back, uh, yeah, to verse 6, it says, you know, oh slugger, go to the ant. And I'm saying be an ant as in two things. If you're taking notes, write this down. First one is learn what season you are in. And the second one is act accordingly. Because here, the way that it's written, ants are the opposite of being a sluggard. Because, you know, ants, they work hard. You know, they, they work very diligent, right? They, they always work in unison. But they also know what season they are. And they act accordingly. And in a similar way, we are also called to know the season that we are in. So naturally, after reading this verse, I just did a personal study on ants. And no, I did not watch the Disney movie that came out in 98. And I found that out through my research, but that's not what I want to talk about. But I did some research on ants. So I, you know, I went to my friend Google. I just looked up, you know, ants and, and diligence, right? And I stumbled upon uh, a TED Talk, actually. There's a TED Talk. Yeah, wow, right? They have TED Talks on ants. And you know what's cool? The more I studied about ants, the more I realized that it's so similar to the body of Christ. So hear me out. I'm about to go into it. But this, going back to the TED Talk, this lady, she, she works in Arizona. I think she's a professor. I don't know how she, she makes the money to do this, but she just pretty much is in the desert of Arizona and just, just researching ants. <laughs> she'll, she'll do all these crazy experiments. Like, like she'll put, like, toothpicks in front of the, the ant colony so that the ants will move it or... 
Then she like labels, like she gets, she said specifically a Japanese marker is the best way to label ants, where she just color codes these ants and they kind of go and do their thing and come back and she's like, oh yeah, there they are again. You know, the hundredth blue one I colored right there. And you know, this is her job. So I was like, man, just, just for her lifestyle, I gotta, I gotta watch this video, right? So, so yes, there are ants called harvester ants. Say it with me, harvester ants. And there are four types of harvester ants. You guys ready for this? It's going to change your life. Maybe not, but no. The first type of harvester ant is a forager. All right, a forager. If you don't know how to spell that and you want to spell it, it's F-O-R-A-G-E-R-S, all right? Foragers. And the foragers, what they do is they're the ones who search for food and they bring it back to the colony. They're the ones when you're having a picnic with your family, they're trying to take away the bread or the grape or whatever that's, you know, walking away in the back, at least, you know, from what you see in the cartoons, right? They're the ones who go out and, and they, they get the harvest almost. Kind of like evangelists, right? <laughs> Come on, somebody. So the foragers, they kind of go out and, and that's their role, right? That's the first type. The second type of a harvester ant is the patrollers. Say it with me, patrollers. patrollers. And the patrollers are really cool. They're pretty, pretty adventurous. They're very, very uh, brave, very courageous. Because what they do is, man, they forerun. They wake up early when the sun isn't out. They go out uh, in the wee, wee early hours of the morning, and they make the trails of, of where to go. So what's cool is uh, ants, they, they don't really live by, by sight. They live by, by smell and taste. <laughs> Come on, right? Because what happens is, you know, these, uh, these ants, they have these little antennas, right? Antennae. And they're just chilling like this on their heads. And what they do is, like, imagine my hand is an antenna. They're just going like this right now. And they're just touching everything. They're just like... They're just literally touching everything, and that's how they get around. That's how they know, like, hey, what I'm touching is, is like a chip that I'm about to steal right now. Or, or, you know, what I'm touching is my fellow forager ant, and that's how they, how they move around. So what happens is these uh, patrollers, the forerunners, right, they go out in the early morning, and, and they somehow find some routes, like what the route is that the foragers are actually going to take. And on their way back, they leave this uh, chemical I forget what it's called, but they leave a chemical. And what happens is by them simply coming back, by them returning, they're telling the foragers, hey, it's safe to go out there. And then the foragers during the daytime, all they do is just smell this little, you know, they're just touching the ground and they just smell this little scent and they just keep going back and forth, back and forth. So I think the the patrollers are kind of like, you know, the more prophetic people. You know, they kind of see out, you know, the watchmen on the walls and... You know, you kind of get what I'm saying? You know, ants in the body of Christ? Yes? Yeah. I'm kind of stretching it right now. But, and the third type. So we got foragers, patrollers, and the third type is midden workers. Midden workers. Midden as in M-I-D-D-E-N. And this is an interesting job that they do. They, they transfer the territorial chemicals that they dig up in the ant colony and random garbage 
they collect it and they kind of just move it around. So one day, like, a pile of garbage will be here in front of the ant colony, and next day it will be here. And they just kind of move it around. And, and I mentioned earlier, like, this, this lady from Arizona, she would just put toothpicks in front of the ant colonies. And then she noticed that uh, the ants would move it, right? D- this was their job. They were, they were to move any obstructions, any uh, thing that could get in the way of their home or endanger them, they, they move it, right? And they're really strong, so they can do that. So, you know, that's the, that's the kind of uh, work they do. So I couldn't think of an analogy for the church. So I'm just going to say that the praise team, you know. So, uh, yes, Susie, you are a midden worker, you know. No, so, and the last type, the fourth type, Fourth type is really cool. This is a little easier to do. The fourth type is a maintenance ant. Maintenance ant, all right? And what they do is, it's really fascinating. They go, in, they go deep into the um, ant colonies, right? And they all have these little rooms. All the ants have little rooms in themselves. And there's this moist sand. So what these maintenance ants do, a- ants do is they go out and they get dry sand one by one. And they kind of just like fix the walls. And they do that for every single room. And they're kind of like the service team, you know, because they're, they're like be, behind the scenes, you know. You think these chairs just happened to come by themselves? No, no, no. The service team came. You know, you think people found our church? No, the service team went and, and you know, held those signs on Sunday, Sunday mornings, right? And, you know, in the same way, their maintenance, they, they do this back-to-back kind of stuff. And, and uh, what's cool is, you know, the ants, they can almost do any job. And they... they uh, when there's a need, so for example, the lady put like a lot of food one time. So obviously they couldn't have an equal uh, amount of people getting uh, food, right? They needed more foragers. So what happened was these maintenance ants, these midden working ants, these patrolling ants, they became foraging ants. And they kind of went, you know? They're very uh, multi-talented. And, and what's cool is uh, all the ants from below when they become one of these harvester ants, harvester ants are ants that just mainly work in the surface, the first thing they do is maintenance. They don't jump from, you know, being a little, little uh, you know, teenage ant to be, becoming like a midden worker or a patroller going out. No, they become a maintenance ant. Isn't that kind of cool? That's how we do it in New Philly, you know? <laughs> you know how long it took me to get this mic? <laughs> Man. No, it's not, it's not about that, but no, no, really though, you know, we don't just give the mic to any, we don't let anyone just lead praise because, you know, they got to pr- be faithful with the small things, you know, and service team is one of the best ways. We will give you a mop before we give you a mic, you know, that's almost the core value, right? <laughs> and what's cool is the harvester ants, they're the oldest and the most mature ants of the Kani. And they actually make up only 25% of the population. So these harvester ants are kind of like, do I dare say it? The active leaders of this house, right? You know, there's, there's a lot of parallels. And, and what's cool is, guess who is right before the active ants? The reserve ants, right? I think PC got the wisdom of God and the wisdom of ants for the leadership structure of this house. But Yeah, the reserve ants and the reserve or inactive ants. That was the the label the lady gave me. And they make up about 50% of the colony. And what they do is they just chill. They chill right below 
there, it's like harvesters that, you know, the little hill with the um, yeah, ant hill. And they do all the work. And then the reserve people and, like, the babies and, like, the queen. You know, she just chills there. And these, these uh, reserve ants, they just chill there because they're waiting for a moment's notice on, on whether or not they got to become a for, uh, not a forager. I said they got to be maintenance, right? So, yeah, whether they become maintenance or whether they got to, you know, help, help something out, you know, with the queen or something, they, they're always just chilling. They're like a little reserve army just waiting, like, you know, just, just waiting for, for a command to come. And they're always, like, discerning in a sense, right? And they're always just kind of ready to go. And I'm talking a lot about ants right now. And I'm telling you, I'm going somewhere with, with this, all right? I'm talking about ants because ants are made to know what season they are in. And I think that's why when King Solomon wrote the, this proverb, you know, it really makes a lot of sense. Because as, as you study ants, as I've been, you know, studying a lot the last 24 hours, is, is they really know what season they're in. And one thing is ants, they have internal barometers that can measure the atmospheric pressure, all right? They have internal barometers. Barometers measure the atmospheric pressure. <laughs> I, I'm trying to act like I know what I'm talking about. but um, Meaning, man, they, they'll know it's going to rain. They just kind of go, the antennas are just chilling. The barometer's working, and they're like, oh, snap, it's going to rain. And they know where to go. They take cover. Meaning they know what season they're in. Another cool thing is ants, they have internal pedometers that count the exact steps they take so they can backtrack. So, you know, a bunch of people at our church are doing the Nike free run, you know, app right now. They're all trying to beat each other in races. And, you know, what's cool is, you know, when you run with your phone, this Nike free app, it's a pedometer in there. It's measuring how many steps you take. But, you know, ants, they don't have no iPhone 5. They got it inside of them. And they, they know how many steps they take because they know that, if they go out too far, that there's no point of return. They can't return back to the colony. And it's really cool because, you know, most ants, they don't die from, you know, crazy little kids with magnifying glasses. <laughs> but they die because, you know, this, it's so hot, it's so sunny, and they get dehydrated to death. So these pedometers are so important because if they, again, if they even go like 100 more steps than they should have, they can't make the trip back. You know, ants... They know what season they're in, and they act accordingly. You know, everything ants do is meticulously calculated and based on the season that they are in. Whether it's short-term, like I said, is it going to rain today, or long-term. Like, man, we need to, even though it's summer right now, man, we need food for this upcoming winter. You know, they, everything they do, it's calculated because they know what season that they are in. Tell your neighbor, ants know what season they are in. And what's cool is as the colony matures, their productivity and their efficiency increases. The ant colonies, they get bigger and bigger, you know, like thousands by thousands every year. And they just, they're able to get more food and they're able to get it quicker and all these things. But let me tell you, it's not because the ants are getting older. What, what I didn't know is actually the only one that lives uh, for a long time is the queen. She has an average lifespan of about 20 years. Yeah, she's older than some of y'all May students right now, right? But, man, the other ants, the average lifespan of one ant is one year. So it's not like an ant's like, oh, I'm, I'm so mature. I, I know this route. No, they just die, like, you know, after a year. 
But it doesn't make sense. If their average lifespan is one year, how are they able to increase their productivity? How are they able to survive and get more food, right? And what this lady studied, this, I don't know how she found this out, but she realized that the reason they improve and they increase in productivity and efficiency so much is because behavioral patterns are communicated from generation to generation. Remember his little antennae, you know? It's like he goes to his buddy and he's like, hey, man, this is, this is what you got to do. It's his younger brother. You know, his little, little cousin right here, he's like, hey, this is the safe route. You know, if you go this way, a little kid's not going to kill you with a magnifying glass. You know, there's like these behavioral patterns that are communicated by ants. And that's how they get bigger. That's how they grow. And they, they avoid danger. They, they find new routes. And it's simply because they know how to communicate from generation to generation. You know, the ants, they know what Sir Isaac meant. When he said, if I've seen further, it is by standing on the shoulder of giants. You know, these ants, they know that the previous generation's ceiling is their generation's floor. You know, they know they don't have to repeat the mistakes that their ants before them made. You know, they don't have to repeat the ones that are only a year older than them that, that made, right? <laughs> Most of all, you know, ants, they know what stewarding, stewarding and inheriting and Multiplying their inheritance really means. They know not to just keep it, but they know how to apply it to their lives. Ants know what season they are in, and they live accordingly. And this word ant, it only occurs twice in the Bible. And again, they both occur only in Proverbs. And Proverbs 6.6 was the first time it occurred, which we looked at before. You know, O slugger, uh, go to the ant. And the second time it comes upon is uh, Proverbs 30.25. Proverbs chapter 30, 25. I'll just read it out. It says, The ants are people not strong, yet they provide their food in the summer. And the main lesson here that King Solomon, the author of Proverbs, is trying to say is this. Ants, they make provision for the future. But they do it through knowing the season that they are in and acting accordingly. So I came up with three application points we could take from the wise ants. Not the strong ants, but the wise ants, right? And to make it easier for you to remember, I made it into a little acronym, all right? And guess what the acronym is? Yes, it's ant. (laughs) You better not forget. So be an ant by... First point is being affectionate. A for affectionate, right? And the word affectionate, the definition is showing or indicating affection or love to someone. In other words, the first application point is be loving. And it's cool how Pastor Myungwa led that uh, time of prayer right before, how we got to really, yeah, let's pray for each other on who to love, who we could love better, who we're having difficulty loving, because this is a season that we are always in. Whether you're in a good season, whether you're in a bad season, whether you're in the wilderness, whether it feels like, man, every week the Lord is just speaking to you powerfully, you know, at at Sunday services or or you just feel so dry, you're always in a season of loving others. And I know, especially living in a busy society, a really fast-paced society like Seoul, it's really hard to just, you know, really, really take the time to do that. You know, we get so caught up with just working nonstop and, and getting this done and all the responsibilities of life. It just kind of comes and it takes over us. And we really forget, you know, to see 
on what season that we're actually in. And two Sundays ago, I preached here at Hillside a sermon called Love Who You See. And pretty much the gist of it was, I said, Christianity, it's about loving the person in front of you. It's about loving the person that you see right in front of you. And again, Seoul has so many foreigners that are transient. You know, whether it's one semester here as an exchange student or it's one year teaching English, you know, we have people coming in and out. And it's easy for us. The temptation is for us to be like, man, they're, they're only here for so long. You know, what's, what's the point? But again, we, we never grow out of the season of loving people. And especially with, you know, we're going to find out tomorrow, right, who's going to Busan, who's going to Sydney church plants. And it's easy for us, whether you're going or whether it's someone you know that, that is going, it's easy for us to, to almost like guard our heart. It's like, man, I don't want to get closer to that person because I know that person is going to leave by the end of the year. But that's not God's heart. Because, man, you feel we have a mighty calling for Asia and for Oceania. And there's more to come. Oceania, yes. <laughs> and there's more to come. But, again, God's heart is for us to always be in a season of loving the person. Being, af- being affectionate. We're never too busy to love the people around us. And before I came out to Korea, I was part of a ministry called Campus Crusade for Christ. I was part of the the New York, Korea, uh, CCC, the New York metro area. And, man, you meet so many students when you're, especially when you just get more involved, when you serve as a small group leader, and, and you get to meet people from all these different campuses, not just in New York, but in, you know, West Coast, L.A., and I went to mission trips every summer, so I met, like, hundreds of people from all over the world. And it's easy to, in the beginning, it's exciting. Because you meet all these people, it's fun, it's really cool, like, you get to hear their stories, but... Man, after saying so many goodbyes, part of me was like, man, I don't want to open my heart up again. Like, man, this Kazakh, uh, when, I, when I went to Kazakhstan, I met a really cool staff. I met you know, students there, and I was like, I opened up my heart to them so much. But after being there for a month, I had to leave. And, you know, after doing it, I was like, man, I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to get as close with the next person because I know when I say goodbye, it's going to be easier to say goodbye. That was the temptation that there was. I began to harden my heart because I had to say so many goodbyes. But man, I realized that attitude is so selfish. You know, Jesus, he was only here for what? 33 years walking on this earth. And only three of those years were actually doing ministry. And you know, anytime he could have been like, man, I'm only here for like two and a half more years before I die on the cross and do what I came here to do. You know, he could have said that, but no, he, he took the time. Even when he was on the way to heal another person, he healed that lady with the bleeding problem. He always had compassion. Even before he healed Lazarus, raised him up from the dead. You know, he wept. Jesus wept. The shortest Bible verse in the Bible, right? Yeah, he wept. Jesus wept. He, he always took the time. No matter how long or short of a stay he was at in that city or you know, it's here on this earth. And whenever I feel that way, whenever I feel like, man, it's hard for me to open up to someone because, man, they, they might leave soon, this is what I think of. I think about a little Indian boy. <laughs> Hear me out. So, yeah, I went to this conference in 2007. It was called Campus Missions CM 2007. CM 2007, right? And uh, it was a big CCC conference, big Korea CCC conference. 
and the speaker would always do say that. So I got to stop making fun of him. But, all right. So uh, that's actually the reason why Pastor Christian came out to help out with that. Because it took like two, three years to plan this, this huge conference. It had about 20,000 people. It had over 200 nations represented. And man, I was a freshman, I remember. And it was my first mission trip going to Kazakhstan. And I went to that conference. And it was so big. And it was so cool because, you know, I'm over here and I'm just worshiping God with, like, like, my Brazilian brothers and sisters right here. And there's a time of prayer. So I'm just holding hands with, like, my Congo brothers and sisters here. And I'm just, I don't know what they're saying, but, you know, I'm praying with them. And, man, it was just so cool because I was like, wow, God, you're so real. You're so big. You're so much bigger than I thought. And I got to meet all these people. And what's, what's funny is there is L.A. KCCC and there is New York KCCC. And we went to this... I guess CCC in general was, they were understaffed because, again, 20,000 people are here. So, you know, we had some, like, tourist days where, where, you know, people were able to visit the city of Busan. It was in Busan. And they told me and my two Korean-American friends from New York who have never been to Busan before to take a tour bus and guide the people around the city of Busan. <laughs> so us being really cool freshmen, we're like, all right, let's do it. And then, we, you know, we were in there, and there's, like, a little, uh, you know, the karaoke mic in the front, and we're just chilling, and we're, like, we walk in, and it's a bus full of Indian people. And we're, like, oh, okay, this is cool, like, Indian students and Indian staff, and it, it was actually really cool, because I got to talk to this one staff lady, and she was serving for, like, 30 years as a, as a CCC staff, you know, crazy persecution, not just because she's Christian, because she's a woman, you know, her life was threatened, I got to meet people like this, and and I'm guiding them like, hey, this is the beach. Uh, this is a station, train station. That is Busan Station, yes. You know, it's like, we, we, we watched it for the first time as them too. And, you know, we're giving this tour to them, right? And then we get off this, I still don't know where we went, but we get off, we get off this one place. And it's kind of like a UN thing. They had all these, these flags. I think it was where cool international people met. And, and like a little table or something. And, and yeah, we're going. And all of a sudden, this Indian brother, right? Another costume. He comes to me. And then he just grabs my hand. And I'm like, all right, that's how they do it in India. <laughs> you know? And it's right by the beach. You know, we're just walking. <laughs> you know, we're just walking. It might have been interlocked, so I don't remember. I hope it wasn't, though. I... I erased that part of the memory, but yeah, we're just holding hands, we're walking, and it's beautiful because it's a beach. <laughs> you know, the sun is a beautiful orangey, you know, red, and, and it's just setting, and, and he's just talking to me, and, and you know, we're just talking like, oh, where are you from, India? I'm like, oh, cool, and, and we're just talking, and he's just like, I'll never forget, I'll never forget what he told me. So he says, <laughs> as we're holding hands, he says, you know what, David? I know we're never going to see each other. Because what happens is we got people from all over the world and, and CCC, they raised millions of dollars to, to you know, fund this thing. And they get you know, uh, kids from developing countries and, and we pretty much pay for their airfare. We pay for their lodging. And he was like, I'm probably never going to come back here. I can't afford to come back here, you know? And he's saying, I'm probably never going to see you again in my life. But man, I'm so happy that I'm here. Because he says, man, when I see you, I'm, I know I'm going to see you in heaven. And man, it's going to be so good. It's, we could hold hands again in heaven, you know? 
And, you know, he was just saying, like, I'm just so happy to be here. Even though I know I'm never, I'm probably not even going to see you tomorrow. You know? I'm not going to see you the rest of my life. And I'm never going to forget that conversation. Because he realized what I'm talking about right here. He realized that no matter what season you're in, whether you're a, you know, a freshman coming back to the Lord or whether you're on missions or, or you're not, every season we're called to love the person. We're called to be affectionate. Know what season you're in and act accordingly. The second point is this. Be an ant by being unwavering. <laughs> So I looked up the thesaurus and dictionary, and there was no cool word with that started with the letter N. So unwavering, but unwavering, all right? All right? So it's the year of inspiration. You've got to be creative, right? So to waver, to waver means to sway to and fro. It means to be fickle. It means to be shaken. It means to feel or show doubt. So when you're unwavering, it means, it means you're steady. It means you're steadfast. It means you never fail or you never give way. In other words, when you're unwavering, you're being faithful. And that's the second application point, being faithful. You know, Luke 16, 10, it says, one who is faithful in very little is going to be faithful with very much. And that's core value number four here in this place. You know, be faithful with the small things. Because you never know how God's going to use that later. You know, many of you in this room, you're, God's called you to be faithful with something. Whether it's your job, whether it's a certain gifting. But the Lord, he's asking, you know, what are you going to do with it? And, you know, I've been uh, helping out Pastor Marcus these days with, like, website development. I don't know any of that stuff. It's like a whole other language I'm learning. And, and uh, you know, it's cool because... I learned a lot from Pastor Marcus. He was the intern pastor before me, and, and I just kind of get a lot of wisdom from him. And he was saying, yeah, when he was an intern pastor a few years ago, you know, Pastor Christian would make him do random things, like, you know, do the announcement. And he was saying, yeah, you really, like, at first he was just kind of doing it, but then later he realized it's not just announcements. It's him, you know, really getting people to, to be plugged into the church. You know, and even him doing the, the website, you know, we write these short little blurbs that describe, you know, like the sermon series or describe certain mission trips that we go to. And people who come upon our website, it's people who have never even heard about New Philly. Are they like, what's, what's wrong with New Philly? Let me check out this website. Or, you know, they could be very suspicious. And, and the first encounter they have is what, you know, Pastor Marcus writes, you know, this little blurb. And it's a lot bigger than he thought. He realized that, man, he was developing his pastoral voice when he was being faithful in these small things. And, and look at the man of God right now. You know, he's beautiful. He's anointed. You know, every time he speaks, it's powerful. People are really looking at you right now. But, yeah. And, and that's, a, that's a man who's faithful to small things. In the same way, each and every one of you, you guys have something that God's asking you to be faithful in. Because the Lord wants to give you more. But he's asking you, what is the posture of your heart? What is your attitude? How are you dealing with this? Are you treating it for what it is? Or are you treating it for just being faithful with something that God will give you bigger later? So yes, be faithful. Be unwavering. 
Yeah, repeat after me. Be an ant by being unwavering. Unwavering. My third and last point is this. Be an ant by being thankful. Thankful, all right? That was a lot easier to find. And I say be thankful because by being thankful, this is the biggest thing. You learn to enjoy the season that you're in. You know, ants, they work their butt off. You know, they, they touch everything with their antennae. You know, they go risk their lives, dodging, you know, magnifying glasses and getting this food and bringing it back. And they work and they work and they work. And they work like slaves. But the thing is, you guys are not slaves. You guys are sons of God, amen? Amen. You know, but as you work, you could work like a slave, but you're not a slave. You could work as a servant, but you're not a, you're not a servant. I mean, you're, not, you're a son, right? What am I saying right now? Yes, you are a son. <laughs> but the thing is, God, he loves the ants, but man, he loves you so much more. Yes. Amen, right? Can I get an amen? You know, ants are efficient, and we're called to work in a similar spirit of, of efficiency, of excellence, but we are not slaves, we are sons. Because slaves, they don't enjoy the season that they're in. But sons do. And this is something I've just been chewing on for, again, like the whole f- first half of the year. I was taking a preaching class with Pastor Eddie at uh, Onuri EM. And he was saying, yeah, you've got to learn from the ants. You've got to learn from the ants. You've got to know what season you're in. Because if you don't know what season you're in now, and if you don't learn to enjoy the season you're in now, you're never going to get out of that. And for me, as an, as an intern pastor, as a seminarian, I could be like, I just want to hurry up and graduate so I don't have to read these thick textbooks that I don't care about. I want to read what I want to read. You know, I want to read more of the Bible. I want to, or I want to not go to so many classes and other activities, but I want to, I want to do more ministry. You know, I want to go out there. I want to, I want to evangelize. You know, I want to, I want to do what I really want. And... Yeah, it hit me that, man, if I don't get out of this now, if I don't learn to appreciate the season I'm in now, it's never gonna, I'm never going to get out of that. As soon as I graduate, I'm going to be like, I can't wait till I do the next thing. I can't wait till I do the next thing. And that's the pattern that we end up perpetuating if we don't be thankful and if we don't know the season that we're in. You got to learn to be content and you got to learn to enjoy the season that you're in. And again, whether it was just being, having life here in Korea. So, you know, rock climbing. I started rock climbing not too long ago. And I remember the first time I went, I was just like, wow, this is really, this is really amazing. Because, man, in the States, you got to pay a lot of money to do this. But there's like a free wall randomly in Seoul. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, just the fact that I could come here and I could look at, like, Ajumas and Ajushis do really well and just kind of chill with them, talk with them, and I could just enjoy the city life. I could run by the Hangang whenever I want because I live right there. I was, like, really learning that, man, I'm not just here in Korea because the Lord's called me here and because I made a long-term commitment, but, man, I'm learning to really enjoy the season that I'm here, that the Lord has placed here in my life right now. And this works in every area of your life. And one of the best ways to be thankful is by giving praise. And there's a song I really like. It's by a church called Brooklyn Tabernacle. They're in Brooklyn. And uh, they have a really cool gospel choir that 
Actually, the wife heads it up, and she, she actually doesn't even know how to read music, but she writes all this really cool music. They won a bunch of Grammys. They rose, raised a lot of money, uh, a lot of support to buy their building, and a lot of cool testimonies. But um, this song came out that I always like to listen to time to time, and it's called I Never Lost My Praise. Anybody know that song? Anybody know that song? All right, so I'm just going to read the lyrics real quick. So it says, it's, really, it's kind of a slow song. It's going to take a long time. So I've lost some good friends along life's way. Some loved ones departed in heaven to stay. But thank God I didn't lose everything. I've lost faith in people who said they cared. In the time of my crisis, they were never here, there. But in my disappointment, in my season of pain, one thing never wavered. One thing never changed. Verse 2, I've let some blessings slip away when I lost my focus and went astray. But thank God I didn't lose everything. I lost possessions that were so dear. I lost some battles by walking in fear. But in the midst of my struggles, in my season of pain, one thing never wavered, one thing never changed. Because mm-hmm. I never lost my hope. Mm-hmm. And I never lost my joy. And I never lost my faith. But most of all, and I never lost my praise. My praise. I never lost my praise. I put that last part in. But, uh, you know, and. And that's, you know, it says here, I never lost my hope, I never lost my joy, never lost my faith, but most of all, I never lost my praise. Man, because when you look at the Lord and when you give praise to the Lord for things that he's given you, not only are you reminded of the current season that you're in, but you're reminded of the seasons that are to come. And man, even that song where we're singing, just a little while. I'm just going to sing the rest of this sermon, all right? But just a little while longer till I see you and, and know you and to, to be together with you. Like, that's the ultimate season we're going to be with, you know, be in and be with our Father. But, man, when you give thanks to God, you get to see the bigger picture. And that is the key to really enjoying the season that you're in. To know what season you're in, to enjoy it, and to act accordingly. Be an ant by being thankful. Because when you're able to learn to enjoy the season and act accordingly, you're able to walk out more fully the destiny the Lord has for you. In Hebrews 6, verses 11 to 12, it says this, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The author of Hebrews is telling us to imitate those who inherit the promises. And the immediate example he gives after this verse is is the example of Abraham. You know, it says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. 
The Lord spoke to Abraham that nations are going to come from you. Nations are going to be blessed through you. And when the Lord told him that, he was 75 years old. 25 years later, he finally gets Isaac. He finally got the partial fulfillment of the promise that the Lord gave him. But the thing is, even today, God is still fulfilling his promise by blessing all nations through his church who are being blessed to be a blessing, the Abrahamic blessing. I just want to wrap up with this where, you know, ants, bringing it back to ants, right? Ants, in a way, they've already taken over the world, all right? According to Wikipedia, ants have colonized almost every landmass on earth. And it's true, man. I've gone to a couple countries, and man, when I went to Guatemala, there were ants like this big, like this big. And they were fighting like, like, like wasps. All right, anyways. Um, yeah, yeah. So ants have colonized almost every landmass land mass on earth. The only places lacking indigenous ants are Antarctica and a few remote or inhospitable islands. Ants thrive in most ecosystems and may form 15 to 25% of the terrestrial animal biomass, whatever that means. And their success, their success in so many environments has been attributed to their social organization and their ability to modify habitats, tap resources, and defend themselves. You know, when you learn to enjoy the season you are in, act accordingly and wait upon the promise of God, the Lord goes beyond what we can even ask or imagine. You know, these ants, they, they affect the ecosystem. They make a percentage up of the biomass, you know. They, they, in, they impact where they go. In the same way, the church, as the salts of the earth, are supposed to do the same thing. But church, you cannot do this if you don't know what season you're in. You've got to know what season you are in. You've got to enjoy it, and you've got to act accordingly. You've got to be an ant. Be an ant, church. Church, say it with me. Be an ant. Yes. Let's pray.